and welcome to the six listeners of uh, Favorite Things. Uh, if you are not one of the six, welcome. Uh, I'm sorry that you apparently stumbled upon us on accident. Uh, I hope that you're not too disappointed and you'll stick around at least long enough to leave a positive review. If you feel like giving a negative review, please hop over to the next podcast in line. <laughs> Guys, thank you for coming in on this uh, dreary March 13th. Uh, we are recording here with two cats just sitting nearby with another one hiding under the covers in our room. Yeah. Uh, it's been a week, but it's been a good week. So continuing on our new year, new format uh, method, we're going to start off with news. And I'm guessing you want me to start? Like normal, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so for me this week... Uh, this week was a lot of fun. Uh, the week started off with uh, Warner Brothers accidentally putting the uh, Snyder Cut of the Justice League uh, online. Not the whole movie, mind you, but just the first couple of hours uh, on uh, Tom and Jerry. So some HBO Max subscribers uh, turned on Tom and Jerry and were surprised to find uh, an R-rated uh, superhero movie. Uh, and only the first half, apparently. Uh, so, uh, I wonder how many kids were sitting there watching it thinking they were about to watch Tom and Jerry and without the parents even knowing, and then the parents walked in like several minutes into it, like wigging out. Uh, I don't know, uh, but knowing Zack Snyder's uh, penchant for uh, violence, it was probably uh, horrifying uh, sure. to a great number of parents. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, that aside, uh, this week was a lot of fun. Uh, this week, uh, I've, I've been watching fan control football, uh, which ends the week after the Super Bowl. There are only four teams right now, uh, but the regular season's over. This weekend, we're going into uh, the playoffs, and I'm rooting for the Wild Aces. Uh, cannot wait for them uh, to beat the Beasts and the Glacier <laughs> Boys and uh, the Zippers. That's not their actual name, but we're calling them the Zippers. <laughs> so what is their streak, right, or not necessarily streak, but what is their winning? And so they are, where are they standing? They are two and two. Okay. Uh, they beat the Glacier Boys twice because they suck. <laughs> and, uh, and then they lost two other teams. So basically, for anyone not familiar with fan control football, um, it is a league that's very similar to the Arena Football League. Uh, of the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, we used to have the Nashville Cats uh, here in the area. And so for the past month, month and a half, uh, the Fan Control Football League has been in a bubble in Atlanta, Georgia. And every week, uh, the league uh, drafts. Uh, you've got some players that you tag which means that those players are with you throughout the season, and then the rest are on a rotation. So this week, uh, your offensive linemen might be playing uh, for you. Uh, the next week, they might be playing for the team that you're playing against. Mm -hmm. um, so week to week, it's very different. This being the freshman year for the for the league, uh, the the rules change on an almost game-by-game -game basis. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's been like watching a 
a televised version of backyard football where the rules change as needed to make up for the fact that your friend is taking advantage of you not <laughs> specifying a rule. Like when you have four back-to-back -back onside kicks, there's probably a problem. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Especially when you're playing in a league that has no kicking. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's been a lot of fun, uh, all of that. Uh, and then probably the biggest positive news uh, out of the week that I really, really enjoyed. Um, if anyone listening is a fan of video games or knows someone who is, uh, this week was the finalization of the Bethesda-Microsoft uh, deal. Uh, Bethesda, which is a Zenimax company, uh, if all these names sound weird, that's okay. Um, Zenimax Bethesda is one of the largest conglomerates of video game studios. Not the largest, but one of the largest. They have several studios under them. Uh, they've made such great games as The Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, Doom, um, and loads and loads of others. Uh, but Microsoft uh, reached out, made an offer to buy them. The offer was accepted. It had to go through all of the regulatory commissions and everything to make sure, you know, no monopoly monopolies were happening and they paid a pretty penny uh, they paid nearly twice as much as Disney paid for the Star Wars franchise which is a big deal uh, 7.5 billion that's billion with a B dollars uh, for this series of game studios but this past uh, I believe it was Tuesday the deal was finalized on Thursday Microsoft and Bethesda did a roundtable discussion video where they talked through what their plans were for uh, for the immediate future, what uh, what the idea was, how the relationship was going to work. Uh, a lot of questions people had had was how exclusive are games going to be. Uh, a lot of previous Bethesda games came out on most everything. Uh, are Bethesda games just going to come out on Xbox and PC? And and the answer told a lot while not telling anything. Uh, in that they're aiming to have exclusives, but they're also going to honor previous deals and, and things like that. So it says a lot without saying much, but what was really neat about the video that was released on Thursday, no matter what anyone's opinion on the deal is, uh, the video was really neat because it was a bunch of people in a room, which was the first time in a long time uh, that I've seen a video like that around the video game industry because people are just now being inoculated, they're just now being allowed into the same space. Um, and so they sat in socially distanced chairs in, in this big round room and they're talking from both sides of this relationship about what they admire about each other and what they're looking forward to and how they're looking forward to functioning. Uh, even some of the parts that uh, I believe it was Bethesda was very upfront with Microsoft about, hey, uh, you reached out and uh, wanted to say something about this and that felt like an overreach. And it was, uh, I made a tweet about it that Xbox actually responded to that was really nice. Um, but I just said it was it was really neat to see the, the two companies just geeking out over each other. And it was just really wholesome content uh, because it was a lot of positivity under one roof. 
And uh, especially these days on the internet and in video where everything can feel hypercritical or cynical, it was just really nice to see people talking nicely about each other and to each other. And so it was about a solid hour where they went through in studio by studio inside Bethesda uh, from everyone uh, like id uh, that makes the doom games and the wolfenstein game uh, to machine works which makes the wolfenstein games and the up upcoming indiana jones game um to uh bethesda games which makes uh, the elder scrolls games and fallout games they they kind of talked about, hey, we're really excited about this. Uh, when we released this game, Xbox actually showed up at our door and was like, hey, uh, your game works really well, except for maybe if you did this, this, and this, it would work better. And talked about just their working relationship. And it was just really neat. It, it's one of those things that I'm not in the video game industry, but it's one of those things that as I watch it, I appreciate so much about it, is the, the spirit of uh, collaboration and coordination that's required amongst multiple studios, amongst uh, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people to make a simple piece of entertainment that you'll play anywhere from an hour uh, to 300 hours. And these people spend years and years of their life bringing it to you. And it's just, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was worthwhile. Yeah, you've been so excited about it all week. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Yep, you you're good. Okay. So, I'm trying to think of the highlights of my week. Um, I had some thoughts and then they weren't like to give you finished talking. Sorry. <laughs> I can keep going if you need to let them come back and then you I, can interrupt. I will say, we'll just start with my weekly... Uh, my weekly Weight Watchers update. Okay. So since that's becoming a pattern. Um, so this last week, you know, when we recorded, I was on track to lose a pound. I only ended up losing like 0.8 on Yeah. But, but so far for this week, though, I am on track to lose two pounds. Awesome. So I'm kind of excited. We'll see. I may you could end. I could end the week by gaining a pound. Who knows? But I got two mm -hmm. days until weigh-in, until official weigh-in. But I was kind of excited about that. Um, but weight loss is a journey. It's. It is. Oh, oh yeah. Go I ahead. remember. So uh, along with along with that, I was excited because I I just um, I decided that there was a very specific pair of. Uh, Capris that I've been wanting to order forever. Like uh -huh. the past few years I've been wanting these, but I just haven't done it because I just couldn't bring myself to order the size that I needed. Yes. So I have just, I just ordered a pair, the one size smaller than what I'm currently wearing, which is not, which is way, way different from where I started. Yes. Um, my current jeans are um, starting to get big. So uh -huh. I decided to go ahead and just do one size smaller. I figure for the summer that, you know, with the track I'm going on, they should work. And hopefully by fall, I'll be about two or three sizes smaller than where I'm at now. But that's my projection, and that's what I'm really excited about, these capris. <laughs> I don't, they'll, they'll be great for summer, and I've been wanting them for a long time. So other things for me in this week. I got a new cookbook. Uh -huh. um, it's not really Weight Watchers friendly, but I could. I'm getting to a point where I can almost adapt any recipe to make it Weight Watchers friendly, and it still be perfectly delicious and tasty. Uh huh. Um, but I'm really excited about it. It's a pressure cooker um, book for my in 
Instant Pot. Um, and I did find out the guy that wrote this, he's actually working on a lighter version cookbook. So I'll probably order that once it comes out in April. Um, but uh, there's some recipes in there that I'm super excited about. He's got a chili recipe in there mm -hmm. that it is unlike any chili recipe I have ever seen. And the caption on it is that everybody who has made this chili and taken it to a chili cook-off has won. So now I'm like, I've got to try this chili. So that's probably going to be one of the first things I make out of this cookbook. I feel like the first person who doesn't win, they need to edit the book and put a disclaimer. Because <laughs> yeah. it's going to happen eventually. It is going to happen because somebody's going to come up. But it's, it's made with actual chili peppers, like different types of chili peppers. And uh -huh. not necessarily spicy, but some of them are. Um, but instead of, like, it, most recipes I use, follow, what, what, yeah, you, um, rely on chili powder. Yes. Where this actually relies on the peppers. Yes. But it's also got, which is what throws me off, is it's got, like, some Asian-inspired ingredients. Like, it's got poison sauce in uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. Um, well, I can't remember everything else in it, because the book's not in front of me, but it was, like... It's just different. It's got all these different flavors that, you know, some ways I'm like, they shouldn't come together. But on the other, I'm so intrigued by it. And and I follow um, an Instant Pot group on Facebook. And just everybody talks about this chili and how it's like the best chili they've ever had. Mm -hmm. So I know that's putting some very high expectations on it. Yes. So, so hopefully we won't be too disappointed if it doesn't meet those super high expectations. But I am intrigued by the idea of a very tasty chili that's different from what I'm used to. And chili's probably, I know it's not yours, but it is one of my favorite things to eat. So. Okay. Well, that honestly is a great transition into our next section yeah. on uh, what we're eating. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let you start because we talked before the show. Yes. There are a couple different things that just in the past couple of days we've had that have been really, really good. Yes. So um, you took me on a little date this morning. Yes. And so we went to the Dotted Lime, which is mm -hmm. a little local establishment. And this is a place that is, um, all their, they're, they're an allergen-friendly restaurant. They make everything as gluten-free, nut-free. Is there something else that's free in there? So they have options for most. They have options for dairy free yes. and everything else for other. They always ask you, if you're, especially like if you're ordering online, they ask if you have a, any allergies that they need to be aware of so they can adjust their recipes. Yes. But um, they are for sure gluten free and nut free. And they like even have things all over their store that says um, if you have, in, or no, they say no outside. Um, food, or drink. food or drink, including like baby formula, like because they're yeah. like it's, you know, that just they can't be accountable if somebody has an allergy. So, um, so that's their thing. It took us a long time to try them mm -hmm. because we're like, well, it can't be that good unless you, unless you can't eat these things, and then they're the only option. No, every time I have had someone's diet restriction food, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, I wish that it was out of me as soon as it was in me. Yeah. And I don't want to eat anymore. And and when you hear about a restaurant that is based around uh, being allergy friendly. Especially gluten free. Especially gluten free. I, I immediately tense up and go, nope, no way. Yeah. No way. I, there is no way this is going to be good. There is no way this is going to be something that I will tolerate let alone enjoy yeah and i was proven wrong yes i think about a year ago we found after being living right around the corner from them for two years um 
we've been here for three years now. So a year ago, we decided to try them. Yeah. And they have become our favorite restaurant. Yep. Or at least one of our favorite restaurants yep. in town. So, but yeah, you took me to the dotted line this morning, and I I was able to eat a frittata that I was able to eat with no guilt on like carbs or not necessarily carbs, but just eating something that's going to cause me to gain weight, um, even for moments. <laughs> Um, and they're just, they're always super good and super friendly. It's family owned. Their kids all work for them. They've got like 11 kids. Yep. So, yeah. Most of them are adopted. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that was delicious. Nope. Well, we got there and they were hopping. They were like yeah. super busy and we're like, okay, we're not comfortable with going inside. So, we sat in the car, placed an online order. And just drove around and talked and then came back and picked it up at the drive-up window. Yep. Which was really nice. And so then we came home to eat it. More brunch than breakfast, but it was still really good. Oh, that's fine. I like brunch. Yeah, brunch is good. So, uh, for me, I, Dotted Lime, ever since we tried them, has always been good. Uh, but this past week, we did something we haven't done in a while. And now that we're moving into warmer weather, it was really, really enjoyable. And that is your chicken salad. Yeah, I haven't made that in a long time. <laughs> I, growing up, we didn't do things like tuna salad or chicken salad that often. And so since being married to you, we've had it enough times that I've grown to really appreciate it. Uh, especially when you try it in a different way. We did it on uh, some really nice hot dog buns. Yeah, top and, slice, more like a lobster roll kind of thing, but with chicken salad. Yeah, and it was really, really good. Um, I I will try anything that you will make, even if I have my doubts, just knowing how good 95% of your experiments have been. Yeah. And I absolutely adored it. It was, it was great. And even when you make something that could use a little salt, it's literally adding a little salt. Yeah. It's not because it's bad, it's just I would like this like to pop a little bit yeah. more. I usually salt things to my preference, knowing that you like it a little bit more, and then you can, it's yep. easy to add. Yes, and not it subtract. is. <laughs> it is always easy to add. Subtracting is more difficult. Yeah. So. No, it turned out really good serving alongside a pickle, and it did make a well-rounded oh, meal last night. I love some claws and pickles. They are the bomb. They are. That's become one of the only ones that I'll buy anymore. Because yeah. ever since you you bought them one time a few months ago, was it? It was sometimes I guess it was during the pandemic. You, yeah. you just happened to pick them up, and now like they're more expensive. But now they are the only pickle I will buy most of the time. Yep. So Clawson, uh, if you're listening <laughs> and you want to send us uh, uh, some stuff, we will be more than glad to consume it. So they're delicious. That is all the food stuff we've got for this week. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, our big topic of the week. Talk to you in the. Just a minute. So our big topic for today, uh, because we've just been kind of watching without any real intent this week, mm -hmm. it's mostly having community on in the background yeah. while we just kind of edge out. <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk about this week something I've been taking on on my own uh, that I've really been enjoying and that is uh, short form or shorter form uh, superhero movies. Now what this is 
is movies that are typically not uh, feature length. They're not an hour and a half plus. Uh, these are these are movies that were typically released straight to video. Um, the ones I've been engaging in recently have been uh, the DC Animated Universe. I've really been enjoying these because I want to watch a superhero movie, but I don't want to put in the time to watch a superhero movie. Yeah. I don't want to spend three hours watching a superhero <laughs> movie. Uh, so, uh, this morning watching All-Star Superman. It's an hour 15 with credits. Mm -hmm. And it was great. Uh, actually, the the movie and the comic book it's based on might be my favorite version of Superman. Um, there are things you can do with an animated feature that you just can't do live action. Mm -hmm. uh, there, For one thing, uh, the budget in an animated movie in general, unless you're talking about uh, computer-generated uh, animation, is typically going to be about the same whether you have a big intergalactic stunt <laughs> or you have a dialogue-driven uh, film. If it's the same amount of time, if it's the same amount of actors, it's probably going to be about the same. Yeah. The, the budget's going to be the same. Versus if you have a 30-person Marvel movie, uh, it's probably going to be in the neighborhood of three to $500 million. <laughs> versus a 30-person uh, independent film is probably going to be a tenth of that. Yeah. Uh, with an animated film, you have significantly lower budget, you're able to do whatever you want, really, scale-wise, and the sky's the limit. And I've, I've really been enjoying these because they're able to tell stories that either it would take really, 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 really long time and lots and lots and lots and lots of money uh, to be able to do well, or uh, it's just maybe it doesn't translate well to live action. I don't know what it is, but Warner Brothers in particular seems to have a really hard time making a good superhero, uh, Superman movie. Yeah. Uh, and in general, superhero movies are very, very hit and miss. In animation, more often than not, you've got a hit. As long as you've got a half-decent performance, it works. Uh, because there is something about, maybe it's the fact that it's animation as opposed to live action. When you go in, your guard's down. You aren't going in with a bunch of expectations that what you're about to see is going to be silly looking because it's a grown man in a spandex costume or grown woman in a spandex costume. It's not going to break your brain when you see a human being leap a tall building in a single bound because in animation you see people do that all the time. In live action, it breaks your brain. <laughs> yeah. If you see a human being do something that a human being can't do, there is something, even seeing superhero movies all the time, if it doesn't look just right, we go, well, that ain't right. <laughs> human body's not supposed to bend like that. But cartoons, the rules are out the window. You can do whatever you want. 
in cartoons, you can walk across the Grand Canyon in midair as long as you don't look down. Right. And animation just, it throws the rules out the window in such a way that I absolutely adore. And it scales so well um, in that I always loved growing as a young man in my 20s, even to now, whenever people talk about the good old days of cartoons. And, and man, why aren't cartoons like they used to be? I'm like, um, you mean full of political commentary and uh, kind of racy subject matter? They, yeah, that's what they're like today. What about back in the day? I'm like, you do know that Bugs Bunny and, and a lot of the Looney Tunes had some commentary on World War II and dressed in drag and tried to straight up sexually assault people. And, and we have these double standards in mind because we think that either now is garbage compared to the way it used to be or vice versa. When the truth is, techniques have changed. Maybe the way we talk about some of the subjects has changed, but we're talking about the same subjects. Yeah. We're talking about them in the same mediums of animation, live action, stand-up comedy. We're doing a lot of the same things. We're just doing it slightly differently. Yeah. It's just changed with time, the way time has changed, the slang and the context of Absolutely. The and, and even depending on the day, let alone the week, month, year, or decade, uh, the political leanings of the day change. Yeah. Today, what is socially acceptable, tomorrow will be an abomination. And it depends ent entirely on who you're with mm -hmm. and what you're talking about. Yeah. And when it comes to animation, we tend to be a lot more forgiving of that. Whereas in live action, there, there is just this, this harsher view. Yeah. But returning to to the movies, <laughs> I I kind of want to I kind of want to gush over All Star Superman, just in particular. I think so. To to break down what this this series of projects is, and then what this one in particular is. Warner Brothers in DC several years back said, hey, we've got the better part of 80 years worth of superhero stories and in comic book form. And we could write an original story and then script it and pay two different sets of writers more, more often than not to come up with that and then make our superhero movie. Or we could adapt what already exists, be as faithful to it as we can be, and make it animated. Do it for roughly the budget of a couple episodes of television. Not a ton. And they started off kind of distant from the mark. They, they weren't right on the source material and, and they were trying their best. And it wasn't bad. And then they started getting closer and closer and better and better. And eventually one of the projects they made in 2011, after roughly five years of making these films, they adapted uh, Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. So I will pitch you the book and then I will pitch you the movie. 
So the book is a 12 issue storyline, self-contained. You don't have to have read any Superman books before or after. The, the story has its own beginning, middle, and end. It is Grant Morrison's Superman story. It is him sitting down to us as a collective nation of nerds and saying, once upon a time, there was Superman. Telling his story and then saying the end. And what's really neat about his version of Superman is it blends together all the eras of Superman, uh, specifically the Silver Age kind of sci-fi centric stories from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, where Superman did some wild stuff, just really interesting, theoretical, weird sci-fi stuff. And then he took some of the grounded human relationships of people like John Byrne uh, or uh, George Perez in, in the 1980s and 90s, and he blends them together. And what I love about Grant Morrison, I, I love his version of Batman. I love his version of Superman. I love his version of the X-Men. Um, what he does to a character is he distills them down to the fundamental, okay, what am I telling a story about? If, if they didn't have the brand name on top of it, what am I telling a story about? And he breaks that down. He does away with a lot of the baggage that surrounds the characters. And then he tells the story he wants to tell. Mm -hmm. um, and his version of Superman, Lois doesn't know that Clark and Superman are one and the same. Uh, and spoiler alert until the very end of the story. Uh, <laughs> Lex Luthor is uh, a mad scientist uh, who just absolutely resents Superman because he uh, he is everything that Lex is not. And the story of Superman is more than Superman having powers. Superman has powers and he even has some powers in the story that you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And the powers aren't what makes Superman Superman. And largely that's what the story's about. It's the very beginning of the story. The pitch of the story is what if Superman was dying? Mm. And Superman had very little time left and he had to make peace in all of his dealings, relationally, with the earth, uh, everything he's got to do. He's got to finish his business knowing that his time is short. What does Superman do? In over 12 issues, which in the original book is a lot more expanded than an hour and 15 minute animated movie, mm -hmm. you get things like how does Superman, who in this sci-fi centric story, is able to time travel, he's able to do all sorts of physics. How does he do stuff like deal with his own death? How does he deal with the fact that he is in love with Lois Lane mm -hmm. and Lois Lane loves him? 
how does he deal with the fact that Lex Luthor is actively trying to end his existence and effectively rule the planet? How does he deal with other supernatural beings? How does how does he deal with the mortality of his adopted parents on Earth? Mm-hmm. And over the course of 12 issues or an hour and 15 minute animated film, Superman uses instead of just powers and strength, instead of as a lot of recent movies have done, just hitting harder or or lifting more weight, Superman actually has to think through the problem and outsmart and outwit. And uh, there's a great plot twist in both the book and the movie where at the end of the story, Lex Luthor gets Superman's powers. And when Lex Luthor has superpowers, one of the big things that's always the big conflict between Superman and Lex Luthor is mind over muscle. It's, oh, if you, if you didn't have those powers, you'd be nothing, Superman. And Superman finds a way. Yeah. And it's, it's such an epic story. I don't want to give anything away. If you have HBO Max, um, I highly recommend utilizing it for the the DC animated films or Looney Tunes. Um, (laughs) Honestly, anything Warner Brothers. But uh, it's one of my very favorite Superman stories. And when I remember Christopher Reeve as Superman from 1978 to 1987, it's a Superman story he would fit right at home in. In that it's this, it's this charming down home guy who just happens to have superpowers, yeah. and he does it because it's right. <laughs> and so I, I really enjoyed this. I, going back to the format that I was rambling on about before, the format really serves this well. It's it takes what was already a pretty just good streamlined story and it trims away what little fat was in the book and gives you the straightforward story and it works really well it's a it's an hour and 15 minute pg rated superhero movie that some people might find boring because superman is figuring his way out without fighting yeah but as i get older i find that people and movies that find the creative way out speak to me more than punch harder, (laughs) shoot more, have the bigger gun. (laughs) So it's really good. This week I didn't have a set topic rolling into the weekend. I was trying to figure out what I was going to watch. I I picked that movie today because it was comfort food, but as I watched it, I realized just how much it meant to me. And it came to me as I was watching it. I think this is what I need to talk about. So that's why I picked that one this week. Yeah. All right. So next week, guys, uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Uh, We're rolling into the Williamson County spring break. So we're going to have some time off. Um, Not from the podcast, more than likely. Uh, We're hoping to have a regular episode out to you by next Saturday. Um, But... In the meantime, if you're traveling, enjoy your travels. Enjoy what is around you. If you're not going anywhere, enjoy what's there at home. 
there is always something good right around you within reach, whether it's a book, a movie, a magazine, uh, cooking, restaurants, just enjoy life. Uh, God gives us all good things, and as he gives them to us, enjoy them. Uh, what's here today won't be here tomorrow, so enjoy it now. Yeah. And with that, I say have a great weekend, and we'll see you around. Bye. Thank you.